Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, I should say, everyone, and welcome back to the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, episode number 582. As once again, we <laughs> a little bit of an error last night. Unfortunately, the time limit was not the correct amount, so that's why I had to uh, erase the show from last night on uh, Monday, April the 24th, and make it this afternoon on Tuesday, April the 25th, due to the fact of uh, these issues that popped up. And I don't know how that popped up, because I know I made the uh, correct time slot and the amount of time to be broadcasted on, but um, it got reduced out of nowhere, and unfortunately, I had to... Uh, redo it. So just wanted to say thank you to everyone who, uh, once again, you were kind enough to understand my issue and my frustration, but we got that all cleared up. So thankfully, everything is done and everything is great, and uh, I'm able to do so to have this show this afternoon. As we all know, tonight, April 25th, and on Tuesday and Wednesday, April 26th, it is an Open Cup week, so that is why I'm doing the show now and not doing it tonight. So uh, and you can catch it all once again here on the 40 Since Fire American Soccer Show. You can get it, not just listening to the link uh, here at blogtalkradio.com forward slash 40 Since Fire, but also other podcast platforms like Stitcher, like um, Feedspot. Apple Podcasts, and Pandora. So just want to let everyone know I've made the uh, additions to where you can listen to the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show and that you can go ahead and listen to your heart's content to any episode and every episode that is available to you and for this show. So all I can say is, is this, is that thank you once again, for joining me on the show this afternoon, and we will get into it. And what I want to get into is this. Once again, CBS Sports Golazo Network, CBS Sports Soccer Department, has done it again. Because when I woke up yesterday, Monday, April the 24th, obviously a day after my birthday, and when you're preparing for uh, to look at upcoming news, what's the situation, what's going on with American soccer, what's going on with world soccer, you know, club soccer, anything involving the game, you want to be well-informed, especially American soccer. And as you already know, Turner Sports is the official broadcaster for the U.S. men's and women's national teams, and, of course, the official broadcaster or platform holder for the U.S. Open Cup games. And as you already know, 
They are doing eight games around currently. Bleacher Report, Turner, through, of course, their Bleacher Report app and Bleacher Report football YouTube pages. And, you know, that, that's, that's the thing that's really sad that we can't get every match of every round. Well, ladies and gentlemen, apparently now we have a brand new edition, as I've said already. CBS Sports and their Golazo Network on Paramount Plus, as well as their Pluto TV app, their channel on the Pluto TV app. CBS Sports will now be broadcasting three U.S. Open Cup games in the third round, starting off with tonight as Charlotte FC of MLS hosts South Georgia Tormenta of USL League One at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And then tomorrow night, on Wednesday, April the 26th, the Miami Derby as Miami FC will of USL Championship will be hosting Inter-Miami of MLS at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, the MLS side of Portland Timbers will host Orange County SC. CBS Sports, once again, is stepping up to the plate where I never thought they would. CBS Sports has come big once again, all of us in the United States, that they care about this game, that they care about broadcasting this game, respecting this game. And they're doing a job once again. And what else is wonderful? Because it's not just their production work for the UEFA Champions League, for the UEFA Europa League. Of course, now we have that conference league, what they're doing with uh, Italy's Serie A or Scotland's Premier League or the Brasileiro or the Argentine Primera Division. But here in the U.S. and in CONCACAF, they are involved with the NWSL. They are also involved with CONCACAF's Nations League tournaments. And don't forget, you can watch the semifinals and the final, not just on Paramount+, Plus, but also on the CBS Sports Network. Now, depending on if they're going to put it on CBS Sports Network, that would be great. If they're going to put it on major CBS, that would be even perfect as well. But we'll see what happens. But you'll catch every match of every round of the CONCACAF Nations League on the Paramount Plus app. And that is absolutely fantastic. Now you can add the U.S. Open Cup. And even though U.S. soccer spends the money for the production work of these shows... The truth of the matter is this, is that we need more from our national broadcasting partners. Look at what CBS is doing. You want to say somewhere down the road, maybe CBS Sports wants to get involved with Major League Soccer? I say, why not? Now, I know that they are under Apple TV for the majority of the games. 
And at the moment, Fox is the only English language and the only sports broadcaster on the linear television side to show games. But the truth is, we, we need somebody new now. And as I've always said to all of you, I'm not upset with people like Rob Stone or people like Alexi Lalas or John Strong or Stuart Holden or Kobe Jones or J.P. Della Camera or anyone like that. I am not blaming them whatsoever because it's not their fault that their production crew and the people who produce the soccer games and the people who are running all these soccer events on Fox Sports are absolutely terrible at their job. The truth I am saying is, is this. I want CBS with such a wonderful job they have done with broadcasting the Nations League. And the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers that were going on for the road to Qatar. And granted, this time around, we're not going to get any games from Mexico, USA, or Canada because they are the three host nations of this upcoming World Cup. But the truth is this, is that when you have people like Kate Abdo, and Clint Dempsey, Charlie Davies, and Apuchi Onyewu on set, along with Jenny Chu doing sideline work, and Nico Cantor helping out with studio work. And you can also say great job by uh, Andreas Cordero and Maurice Adu calling these games. CBS is 10 times more professional on soccer broadcasts than what Fox has done. Fox can do no wrong with Major League Baseball, with the NFL, with college sports, or just putting out the feed for all these tournaments in CONCACAF when it comes to the under-20s, the under-17s, tournaments, the FIFA Under-20 Tournament, the FIFA Under-17 Tournament, CONCACAF Champions League. Where's the pregame shows? Where are the postgame shows? I know they save their big, big moments for the World Cup, obviously, because that's an automatic. Because you can't screw that up, even though there are times they have screwed that up. I don't feel confident, period, about what Fox Sports has done. I don't feel confident in the track record of Fox Sports because the people who ran Fox Soccer Channel back in the day are not there anymore. They are gone because that's when you knew you were getting the best of the best. And now when you have your knuckleheads over in California running this and not doing the job they should be doing, the production will lack creativity, and it will lack smartness, confidence, belief. Everyone does not like what Fox Sports 
has done covering American soccer. And that is why I have been saying all along, I want somebody else to do it. I want somebody else to carry the flag. There was a time that NBC did a great job, but unfortunately, unfortunately, it didn't last that long. CBS, I think, without any interference whatsoever from the league or any interference from U.S. soccer, if they are allowed to continue to do what they're doing and support the game and grow the game and doing well, not just with their production work of matches, but now with their morning footy and box-to-box shows on the brand new Golazo Network that is on their Palma Plus app, and hopefully one day they can actually do a Golazo show network on your regular cable provider or satellite provider, I think it'd be a hit because that's the next step. That is the next step to making American soccer what it should be and to make what this game should be. I understand all these apps are coming in is the future. Believe me, I understand that it's the future. I I understand this whole situation, but if we're going to find a way to make this even better and stronger, then for then gosh darn it, we need this to happen. Because I think if we can get a pregame show and a postgame show and a halftime show for CONCACAF Champions League broadcasts here in the States, give it the same respect what CBS has done for the UEFA Champions League, then why not? Why the heck not? And until that happens, until that happens, it's just going to be showing the games. Because you know what? While I'm happy the games are shown, it's still not enough. And I'm not waiting for a pregame before the the second leg final of the Champions League in CONCACAF that happened between the Seattle Sounders and Pumas last year. I want it all over the place. I want it from start to half to end. Period. Because if we get that, tremendous and awesome. And that is all all I think all of us are asking for. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, uh, my issues last night, I was not able to do uh, live uh, interviews with my guests. But once again, they were uh, thankful and grateful that I was able to record with them last night. And here they are right now. First things first, as we all know, tonight is an open cup night across America. The Chicago Derby between the Chicago Fire of Major League Soccer and Chicago House in the amateur ranks. Get ready, folks, because here he is right now in a recorded interview, the one and only, the former general manager of the Chicago Fire and the current owner of the Chicago House. It is the one and only Peter Wilt, and that recording starts now. Daniel Feuerstein here, and welcome back to the American Soccer Show. And I'm always grateful to have this man on this show because this is probably one of our, shall we say, forefathers of Major League Soccer who has come up 
and not just Major League Soccer, but building American soccer clubs all over the league's in our country. The one and only Peter Wilt here to preview the big Open Cup matchup in Chicago that will be played this week. Peter, welcome back, and how are you? Hi, Daniel. Thank you for having me on. I'm doing terrific. It's a tremendous anticipation for Wednesday night. Yes, it really is. You know, we always joke around with you, or at least I like to joke around with you, with all the clubs you've created uh, in American soccer. We know the Chicago Fire, Indy 11, Forward Madison, Chicago House. And, you know, you've never disappointed any of us when you continue to build great clubs for, the, for this game in this country. Well, thank you. It's quite a compliment. You did leave out the Chicago Red Stars, one of my favorites, and uh, near and dear to my heart. The Red Stars are the oldest, I believe, continuously operating professional women's soccer team in America. So I, I am very proud of having launched that team as well. I'm fortunate to have been uh, in this business at the right time and surrounded myself with some really good people in order to launch some good teams. No, absolutely, and I don't want to forget that either. You've done wonderful for both the men and the women's professional leagues here in this country, but, you know, for the first time on the professional level, we're going to have two Chicago teams facing each other, and I understand, I know, Chicago House is not in NISA currently as they're considered an amateur team, but, you know... What you have done for the city of Chicago when it comes to the professional, or at least creating these clubs, has been remarkable. And we're finally going to get a Chicago Derby in the Open Cup for the first time, probably in a very, very long time since, I would say, maybe Adria and maybe Chicago Panthenikos or whoever is in the amateur levels in Chicago for the uh, amateur soccer teams. Well, you make a great point, Daniel, that there's a rich history of Chicago derbies in the Open Cup. It goes back to um, you know, 1913, I believe. It may have been the first year of the National Cup, which is now the Open Cup. Uh, Chicago House historian, club historian Chuck Carlson has done a marvelous job um, recapping some of those old derbies that have continued um, throughout the 20th century. So we're um, far from the first uh, time this has happened. And um, perhaps, uh, you know, the first time the Chicago Fire has played another Chicago team in uh, the uh, Open Cup. Although that's not even true either, because I, I know we played, when I was with the Fire, we played Chicago Soccers. And I think we may have played Chicago Stingers as well. So this um, local uh, rivalries is part of what makes the Open Cup such a spectacular tournament. We don't get that in regular season play except, I guess, in New York and L.A. with El Trafico and um, with Red Bull and New York City FC. So the Open Cup allows that to happen. And I wish, um, you know, obviously we all wish there was an open system. I, you know, we all talk about pro-rail, Daniel, and, as we should. But I think another thing that needs to be spoken about more is the need to eliminate territorial exclusivity. I think any community in any market should be able to launch a team without regard to who else is already in that market. 
you shouldn't have to pay a fee to own a market. This is the only place in the world, uh, perhaps Australia, I guess, uh, maybe a couple of others, but throughout the world, you don't have to pay to play in a market. If you want to start a team, you do, and uh, based on merit of the team, determines at what level you play, and that's how it should be. And unfortunately, I think that comes with the uh, the baseball situation when it comes to territory rights and all that stuff. So unfortunately, that's crept up it's into American our league. American way, baby. <laughs> it's the American way. That's right. I don't really like it, but it is. No, look. Sometimes uh, it's it, it's it's great the American way, and unfortunately, in this case, it's not so good at some point. But if well, I can, it add- works out well. Let me say though, Daniel, it, it works out well for some people, or at least. Maybe it does. It works out well for maybe the 30 or so individuals, uh, the billionaires that own Major League Soccer teams. I guess it works for the couple dozen folks that own USL Championship teams or the dozen folks that own USL League One team. But I'm not even sold on that. I think these MLS and USL teams would do better from a business standpoint if they had a rivalry in their own market. But that's a for debate until we get to the point where there's a, a, a league with critical mass of teams that does not have territorial exclusivity. Absolutely, and I agree with you there, and that should really end right off the bat. But we'll see what happens down the road. But I do agree with you. That should be over with as well. But to talk about the second-round match that you had with Chicago House and Forward Madison you know, you, you created Forward Madison for USL League One for those owners over there in Wisconsin. And do you feel, I mean, I know you're happy Chicago advanced after extra time down 2-0 and then coming back to win 3-2, but have you felt any remorse when Forward Madison got eliminated by your Chicago house? Oh, a little bit. I, I certainly would have rather have eliminated Union Omaha. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, no, I still have love for Forward Madison. The the club, the ownership, the staff, the players, the coaches, the fans, most of all. Uh, so, yeah, that's all part of it. Uh, but obviously, when you take to the field, the team you're with uh, has your loyalty. No, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And uh, we'll see what happens upcoming uh, this week. Obviously, you're going to take on uh, your first love, as we like to say it, the Chicago Fire. Uh, Of course, four-time Open Cup champions. And um, will you be flashing your Open Cup rings to uh, basically blind your former club? (laughs) You know, I... I will be carrying them in my pocket for a good luck charm, although I'm not certain if it will be more luck for us or the fire. They are fire rings, after all. So, yes, I'll have the rings with me, but, no, I don't anticipate flashing them to anybody. Okay, that's fine. Um, but when when you see this matchup happening, what do, you, what do you say about what the job that Ezra Hendrickson has done with the club, mostly playing their games back at Soldier Field. And, of course, I believe this one will be at SeatGeek Stadium over in Bridgeview. Yeah, well, there's a lot uh, in that question. As far as where the team is playing, you know, I've said for a long time, wherever you play in a major metropolitan area like Chicago, you're going to make it easier uh, for some fans to get to games and harder for others. And that's exactly what happened. You know, now you see fans complaining about the location of Soldier Field. 
those are mostly fans in the suburbs or in the western part of the city or maybe the southwestern part of the city. Um, you know, and Soldier Field is a, a beautiful stadium. I mean, but everyone knew going in, intimacy is going to be an issue because of how many seats they have. Uh, the cost of parking was going to be an issue. Uh, but it's it's a great thing. It has great sight lines. I, the 200 level, the cantilevered uh, balcony on the east side, the Lake Michigan side, if you can get a seat in the first few rows, those are the best view of a soccer match in North America. It's wonderful. So I, I like Soldier Field. It's, it's a nice grass field during the first part of the year. Uh, once the Bears start playing, it gets too long for my taste and probably for the Fire's taste, too. And, uh, you know, SeatGeek Stadium is really hard to get to with public transportation. Uh, so it's – or from the northern suburbs. So there's, a, there's no 100% right answer. And that's the same with any major metropolitan area. That's why if you could have a second or third team in Chicago – it would satisfy different audience segments, whether it's because of geography or demographics or uh, values, whatever it is. So I, that's yet another reason there should be uh, an open system. As far as the job Ezra has done, it's not easy in MLS. It's not as easy as when I was there. Um, you know, when I was there, we just had to be the best of 12 teams. And now they, you have to be the best of 30 teams. Um, they've increased – I guess the playoff slots, but it's still not an easy league uh, to compete in. Uh, that being said, the, 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 whether it's misfortune or work rate or talent, the fire's not getting the job done. And, you know, there's no glossing over it. Um, they're not winning. You know, that, that match last night is indicative of how maybe the last 15 years has gone, a long time. I mean, my goodness, I said last night, I was referring to the match on Sunday. An uh, own goal in the 99th minute, when eight minutes of extra time is provided, after you tie the match in the 91st minute, is as heartbreaking as it gets. Um, and that's what the fire has suffered. I think Ezra is doing as good a job as he can. He's got an excellent staff with him. Um, I don't know if they need... More players, different players, more depth, I suppose. Uh, but it's unfortunate. Uh, but I'll tell you this. On Wednesday night, uh, they're going to be loaded for bear. And uh, our players are going to have a tough, tough assignment. Obviously, we've had tough assignments against Forward Madison, Milwaukee Bavarians, Brockton United, um, uh, Louisville and um, uh, Fort Wayne 1927, which were the other steps in our, our, our Open Cup journey. So our players are going to give it their best. They're going to fight. They're not going to be intimidated. And I think the fans will uh, have a memorable experience on Wednesday night. Open Cup matches always have drama, always have intrigue. It's the nature of a knockout competition, and I'm looking forward to it uh, Wednesday night. Absolutely, and I can't wait for it myself. Um, obviously, you have your head coach giving the instructions and, you know, the speeches of what the boys need to do out there. But have you informed your players that this is a special one for you because it is against the first club that you created? Um, this is a special game for them, for the players, and for our coaching staff. 
And Matt Poland has done a remarkable job. I mean, the, the, the situation House is in is a tough one. Uh, our finances are not good. They're getting better. <laughs> but our, our coach, our staff have had to do with little or nothing. And, um, you know, Matt Poland, we're fortunate to have him uh, for a second season. It's uh, our gain and uh, someone else's loss. Um, he's going to – he's a high ceiling – He's going to do great things in in soccer, in professional soccer. I hope he does it in this country. He has experience in Scandinavia coaching. Um, uh, the guys know this is a special tournament for me, a special game for me. Um, we've had that conversation going back to last fall when we uh, entered this tournament. So they're aware of it, uh, but most of all, it's important for themselves. This is a platform for amateur players, for our players. Remember, our team last year, an amateur team, nine of those players went on to sign professional contracts. That, I haven't done the research on it. I love it if someone does. I don't know that any amateur team in the last, I'll say, 20 uh, years, since the turn of the century, has had nine of its players sign professional contracts after a season. You know, maybe after 1995 when MLS started, maybe some of those amateur players from the 95 season went on to sign pro contracts with MLS or other pro teams. But that's a real credit to our coaching staff and the players themselves. So I'm real proud of these guys. Whatever happens on on Wednesday, they're going to play their hearts out. And uh, the idea for Chicago House right now is to get these uh, players on to the next level. So hopefully it's a, you know, it's, it's a platform for them to be viewed by those looking to sign talented young players. Absolutely, and that's the hope there as well. But as always, Peter, in these Open Cup situations, bragging rights are always on the line. And I think, without a doubt, your boys at Chicago House want a big scalp Uh, at the end of those 90 minutes if it does end in regulation and we'll see what happens this coming Wednesday night. Thank you as always Peter for coming on the show I appreciate your time as always and good luck against your former Chicago club against your current Chicago club Thank you very much Daniel we'll be debuting our new Diaza uh, Stop Gun Violence away jerseys so these are new jerseys with special uh, designs um, uh, promoting the end of gun violence in America and calling for common sense gun legislation, especially for the legislation championed by Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, that closes on Wednesday, uh, the day of the game. Uh, it's a big issue. It's a big issue in Chicago. It's a big issue nationally. Uh, there's no reason to have these uh, automatic weapons and and high-capacity magazines, and we support this legislation and hope to bring awareness on Wednesday night to stopping gun violence in America. Nice. Thanks again, Daniel. Thank you, Peter. Peter, once again, as he previews the All-Chicago Derby for the U.S. Open Cup uh, next recorded interview, is the uh, – Writer and producer of the Oakland Roots blog, as Oakland Roots has now purchased land to build their own stadium near 
the Oakland Coliseum. And here's that interview right now. Daniel Feuerstein, once again, welcome back to the American Soccer Show. And uh, once again, uh, another great guest is joining me tonight as we get ready to talk about great news that's going to be happening in the city of Oakland in California as the Oakland Roots have officially decided to purchase some land to build a brand new stadium for themselves. To join about it is the Oakland Roots reporter, of course, OaklandRootsBlog.com. Jonathan Como joins me to talk about this. Jonathan, this is great news to hear that Oakland Roots are finally going to build a stadium. They've acquired some land, and it's just wonderful to see that happen. Please tell us this wonderful news for the club. Well, there's still some, you know, hurdles to climb. They're, they're looking to lease the land, um, but there, you know, there's definitely a lot of positive headway. The 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 mayor spoke about it, gave the club a quote saying they're, you know, they want to work together. So they're in the final stages. It really looks like, you know, they're they're going to pass the finish line very soon. So, yeah, I'm saying, you know, that they're not, it's not totally done yet, but they are, it looks like it's going to happen. It's going to happen for the start of the 2025 season. So they still need to have, you know, the typical California stuff, approvals here, approvals there. But, you know, everybody wants this to happen. I can't imagine it not happening right now. You know, there would be a really hard left turn at the finish line, so to speak. Uh, so I think it's, you know, a lot of reason to be excited. It's great for for the club. It's great for the city of Oakland. Um, and, you know, based off all the stuff that's been going on here with the Oakland A's and, you know, very serendipitous because it was, uh, you know, as the president at the club, uh, Lindsey Barron said, it was a wild coincidence just with the announcement of the Oakland A's going to Vegas. So uh, very, a lot of reason to be excited as a supporter. Absolutely. And, you know, let me just say this, and we'll go to the A's in just a moment, obviously, but, you know, this stadium is going to be built not just for uh, the Roots and their, in the Championship League of USL, but, of course, their women's team in the Oakland Soul and USLW League and your USL League 2 side in Project 510. I mean, I have never seen such a major win for all these clubs, obviously under the Oakland Roots umbrella, but to have them all become the home of all three clubs has just, to me, been a sensational location and a sensational job by the ownership of this club. Yeah, you know, it is a tremendous opportunity for for the Roots. I mean, the the, the location is, you know, rather underrated, actually. It's right. You can see it somewhat off of the freeway, but, you know, people are going to see it. People are going to see the signs and be like, oh, what is that? Is there a soccer? There's a game going on? Let me go check that out, you know? So there's a lot of potential with it being just right off of the freeway. Um, it's a great location for, for yeah, all three clubs, as you said. I mean, the, the soul they're going into their first season coming up next month. And, you know, they're still putting the final touches on their roster, but people are coming together. They signed a couple people uh, just today. So, 
it's it's a great opportunity for for local athletes. Honestly, you know when I when I think of women's soccer in the Bay Area and in California, it's some of the best in the country. You know, all some of the top recruits, top players, all come out of California because you you play soccer year round out here. There's such a large array of clubs from the northern border all the way to the southern border. Um, just with with talent, so to have a professional team, you know, right now going into the W League is semi professional, but they have their sights on the Super League when that opens, um, and, and they'll be able to provide you know more opportunities for for women soccer players in this country because you know there's a lot of them, there's a, such a deep talent pool, and not a lot of jobs to go around. So hopefully this is you know, provides that avenue to, to lift more athletes up, you know, because they need it. Now, I do understand that this location of the stadium will just be outside of the Coliseum and the arena area, obviously, former home of the Oakland Raiders, the Oracle Arena, former home of the Golden State Warriors. They moved over to San Francisco. Oakland A's are the last remaining professional sports team until the Roots and the Soul and Project 510 come in. But is that location strong and solid for your for the Oakland professional soccer clubs? I mean, yes, it, it will be a good temporary home. It's a you know a ten year lease. Um, and they are, you know, speaking of doing a lot of uh, renovating and, and building around it. That is the AASEG's project, which is the African American Sports and Entertainment Group. Um, so it's it is an interesting location because yeah, you still have the A's there for <laughs> until whenever they leave, I guess. Uh, if whenever that deal works out, so. Uh, it's an interesting situation because you also have to work with the A's, the AFG, the Joint Powers Authority, the city, and the county. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, hoops to jump through, so to speak. Uh, but it's definitely a good location. Um, it is uh, – I'm bring up my notes here on, on how big it was. It's a nine-acre size. It will be uh, 10,000 stadium. They still have to do um, some renovations to the site, uh, including flattening the ground. So, you know, so to speak, when the roots pick up and leave to their permanent home, the the site where they're building will be much more better situated to build on top of it uh, than, than when they got there. No, I understand that. Um, I mean, obviously, it's such a bitter disappointment with the situation I mean, the three major sports teams, not saying I don't – I always would love to, you know, add soccer, professional soccer teams to the sports landscape no matter where it's located in our country. But it really had to be really difficult for everyone in Oakland, the city – you know, the city government that the A's have already decided to, let's just – say what it is, abandon the city, abandon the area, and just go ahead and move out to Vegas and join the Raiders. That had to be really, really tough and difficult for everyone in Oakland, especially with the mass transit station that's situated over there that also includes an Amtrak station that's not far away. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I think the when the news broke, it was Wednesday night at almost 10 o'clock at night. And, it, you know, I know a lot of A's supporters, A's fans, the Oakland 68, the big supporters group in, in right field, and, and they support the Oakland Roots, too. They couldn't sleep that night. You know, there were some big um, Twitter space groups with, like, 400 members and journalists in there, you know, everybody sharing their piece about their memories of, of the Roots. It was almost like a... You know, uh, um, a, a, a funeral. Uh, <laughs> it, it really felt like you know someone passed away or a girlfriend leaving you. You know, uh, I I saw a lot of friends say, "Oh, it looked like you know I woke up the you know 400 people posting um, breakup messages on Facebook." This <laughs> is uh you know, it was a tough day, and, and it was like the final straw because you know, as you know, the Raiders leaving and the Warriors going across the bay. I mean, the Warriors, it, it was a bit of a less thing going across the bay, but, you know, the Raiders, I think the city had such a, a strong cultural identity tied to uh, for such a long time that, you know, that one, you know, it still hurts, it still hurts me to this day. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that that definitely was a, a day to remember that last Wednesday and Thursday and then when the, uh, then all the news can continue to flood out. So, I mean, uh, for the Roots, it, it definitely puts them in an interesting position. I know people at the club feel that having the A's in Oakland is better for the Roots. Um, it, it, you know, a better Oakland sports team is, is, you know, a stronger Oakland sports team is much better than just the Roots having control of it to themselves, um, and, and with that, there might be some benefits there, too, to where sports fans, former A's fans, and, and Oakland, you know, just Oakland fans in general, see Roots as a last bastion of hope and, and really joining in and, and building up the club because, you know, this club can only go as far as, as the fans take it, and, and if it continues getting more popular and more popular, uh, who knows what's in the future. Does this signal to you, and maybe it's a little early to say it, but does this signal to you that maybe Oakland will now officially become a soccer city with the roots just remaining while, let's be honest, the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball has abandoned them? Well, the Oakland roots uh, guy, I certainly hope so. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean that's the hope, right? Uh Hopefully people can can jump in on soccer. I mean, it's still such a growing sport in this country. Um, I mean, younger people are getting into soccer every day. I think the, the youth level is continuing to get stronger and stronger. So, um, yeah, hopefully. I think it can. I think I think if, uh, you know, roots continue growing, it could be like an Austin FC situation. You see their popularity over there, I, you know, and the culture that they've built, I certainly can see the same thing happening in Oakland. Now, I want to get with a preview here. As you all know, and you know as well, it's an it's an Open Cup week. So, Oakland Roots, you're going to be on the road to take on Sacramento Republic. Um, that's a big scalp, as you know. Sacramento went all the way to the final last year, sadly losing to Orlando. 
They nearly lost to Crossfire Premier of the MPSL and was forced to go into extra time to save themselves. Do you think you have enough to spook the great Sacramento Republic? Well, Roots are coming off back-to-back losses, so if you want to ask me where my confidence is at going into that, that might uh, that might say it right there. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing with uh, the Open Cup is uh, you're not sure how Sacramento might be uh, prioritizing this. Um, I, who of the second team is going to play? Is it going to be a similar lineup to what just ran out against Crossfire Premier? I don't totally expect that. I think you know I can I can definitely see Sacramento putting some priority on this. But I also like Oakland Roots' second team. Um, I think they have a lot of good players on their second team that are, are that uh, could be expected starters. Um, later on in the season, some international players like Nabil Hackshaw, uh, Kevin Wright, Trayvon Reed. So you have a lot of speed and a lot of talent in, in Reed's second team. They have a, probably the most depth, um, I would say, going into the season than any other point in USL Championship. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to give you any wins or loss prediction right now. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not asking for one. I just hope we get a good game. Unfortunately, it won't be streamed. Will uh, Oakland Roots maybe uh, help us out? I don't know if Sacramento will, but maybe uh, Oakland will uh, bring up some cameras and some Wi-Fi. Is there a situation? Well, I always have a live blog every game. This is a perfect time for me to pitch that. <laughs> you know, I, I track all the key moments. I get an interview with the, the coach afterwards, Oakland Roots coach. That is, um, and, and then provide takeaways, and then a man of the match. So uh, that's usually my format with the live blog. I'll, I'll be there for anybody to, you know, if they want to track the the key moments. I'll be there for you. All right. Well, listen, Jonathan. Thank you for your time. I always appreciate it. Uh, congratulations once again for this new stadium being built, and continued success, obviously, for the Oakland Roots, and hopefully they will be now. Well, they're going to be anyway soon the uh, last club standing in professional sports in the Oakland area. Oh, man, it, it's it's weird to hear it that way. But, hey, hopefully, you know, just get this done and, and hopefully the culture just keeps building. And I'll be here to cover it. <laughs> there you go. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. All right. You take care, Daniel. All right. That's Jonathan Cuomo, OaklandRootsBlog.com on the news that Oakland Roots will be building a brand-new soccer-specific stadium uh, for themselves along with their women's club or Oakland Soul and their USL uh, League Two club project 510. So that is absolutely fantastic to hear and cannot wait to see that finally come through fruition. And uh, hopefully uh, all of Oakland will now be... Uh, full-time soccer fans uh, since now the Oakland A's, the last remaining uh, major sports leagues in their area. Of course, the Warriors are in the San Francisco area now with Chase Arena. Uh, The Raiders have already moved to Las Vegas, and the Oakland A's will be following suit in a couple of seasons, unfortunately. But anyway, uh, now it's time quickly to talk about the Red Bulls and their 2-0 loss to Club de Foot Montreal 
And once again, Red Bulls fans, if you've read my article on Red Bulls News Network, which says scoreboard stats are in favor of the Red Bulls, but the excuse me, statistics are in favor of the Red Bulls, but scoreboard is not. Well, guess what? That's what it was. It's not the question of are they working hard, because they are. The question is, why are they not putting the ball in the back of the net? And for the first time in nine matches, they've allowed more than a goal a match. Even though the first goal, they put the ball in their own net, and once again, who is it that does that but Andreas Reyes for the second time this year? And I understand he's not trying to put the ball into the back of his own net, I understand that it was kind of like a half-whiff, but in reality, he still made contact on the ball because the toe poke beat his own keeper and Carlos Coronel to give Montreal the 1-0 lead in the first half. And yeah, they were trying to get the equalizer, and yeah, they were trying to fight, and yes, they were doing whatever they were doing, but the truth is it's not enough. And as you know as well as I know, and even as well as Gerhard Struber knows, this is a results business. And the results are not there. And so right now, the question becomes, what are they doing, and what is Gerhard Struber doing? Because he should know right now his job is on the line. Not because of what happened with the whole Von Zier situation, because what is going on on the pitch? I understand it's only been their third loss of the season, but still, though, a win and five draws, eight points, excuse me, one win and four draws, you know, whatever the amount of draws it is, it's too much. It's too many draws. They should have at least three wins by now. But once again, they're just not doing the job. And has this group, or at least has this run of luck to make the playoffs consecutive seasons, has the course now come to an end? And let me ask you this. Is the the press dead? Or do we not have the proper players to do this job? And at this moment in time, they're in a rut. They are in a rut, and unfortunately, you feel bad for players like Cameron Harper, for Wiki Carmona, because those two were the best Saturday night at Stade Saputo in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Those two were the best. Everyone else did their best, but it wasn't good enough. And Carlos Coronel has definitely rebounded his goalkeeping game since the flub he created in Atlanta. What I can say is this. If Struber cannot make the change or make the changes to get this club back on the right track, well, the change that will be made is him being sacked. And as of right now, everyone's not happy with him. Everyone is not happy with him. Not just for the whole not taking off Dante Von Zier after the incident against San Jose, but for his tactics. 
because right now it's not working. And yeah, I understand Lukinas, Lewis Morgan are injured, but you know what? They did enough on Saturday where they didn't need to worry about injured players not being on the pitch. And it's not enough for them right now to move forward and attack and do the job. So until there is change on the pitch and a real change with the scoreboards, the statistics must match what the scoreboard says. Because right now it doesn't. And until we get there or until Struber gets sacked, they're in trouble. And if no one wants to say they're in trouble, well, I'm saying it. They are in trouble right now. They have to dig out of this hole. And it's going to get deeper and deeper as we get to harder and harder games. Montreal is dead last in the East. The Red Bulls should never have lost to Montreal at their place at Stade Saputo. But unfortunately, they did. And Montreal deserved the win. They didn't get lucky. They deserved the win because the Red Bulls let them have it. Because they could not become clinical inside the final third. Sure, they brought the ball up well. They attacked well. But as you know, as well as I know, the scoring chances were not there cleanly. Or if they were, it wasn't good enough. So that is the issue that the Red Bulls are having right now. And until they fix that, until they fix that, they're going to continue to fall and continue to be in the bottom of the Eastern Conference. And until things change, that's where they're going to finish. So Struber has to fix that situation, and he's got to fix it right away. Back to Tante Von Zier. He interviewed with uh, local Belgian television reporters and talking about what he did. Of course, saying the word that he said. And let me say this. And, and some of you that are ready to throw him away, which look, common sense prevails here and it should have prevailed that he should never have said anything and yes he didn't aim it at anyone he said it under his breath but still though it was towards the referee even though he wasn't trying to aim it at the referee but he said the word anyway he is 24 years old but sometimes youth can do stupid things when you're 24, and he did a stupid thing, a very stupid thing. He should never have done it. He should never have said it. He should be more aware of it. And yes, he's learning from it. And he has taken it to heart, and he has taken the responsibility of his actions, period. All of you want him gone or most of you want him gone and no longer on the club. Let me, let me tell you from my perspective. Unless he has a past history of going off like this all the time, 
then I would say throw them away. If it was just a moment of stupidity that he needs to learn from, which he is, then he deserves a second chance. Let him earn your trust. But let me also say this. If he pulls that off one more time intentionally, then he's gone. Then the Red Bulls have to get rid of him, and then the Red Bulls have to null and void the contract. If he does it one more time. He deserves a second chance. He deserves a second chance. And until he comes back and finishes serving his six-match ban, which I agree, it should have been a lot longer. But MLS, probably under CBA rules, probably was as long as they could make it. But I'm not disagreeing with everyone's opinion. He deserved to be suspended longer than six. But what's also good is that he's not playing in any MLS next pro games, and he's not being allowed to be playing in any U.S. Open Cup games the Rebels are in. So do not expect him in the fourth round match when the draw is going to be done this coming Thursday for the fourth round. As I have said already, I believe he deserves a second chance. You've done stupid things when you were young. I admit I've done some stupid things when I was young. Have I done something like this? Absolutely not. Because I know better. And I'm not trying to hurt anybody verbally. Because I know the difference. Now he knows what the difference now he knows what that is. Now that he knows that it should never have happened. And I hope he's learned that he'll never do it again. And I've also hoped he's learned to never ever do it again, period. Europe, unfortunately, is different than here in the U.S. because it's still being thrown around with ease. Yes, there are groups, anti-racist groups, trying to stop it. I mean, the supporters of Lazio continues to show evil, evil messages at their matches about black players and Jewish players and Jews altogether. Look what happened to Roberto Carlos playing in Russia. Some fans threw a bunch of bananas on the field right at him. They will continue to do so. Look what happened to Josie Altidore in a Dutch Cup match with AZ Alkmaar, where his club was visiting another club, and they let him have it with racist words. Even in England, it's still going on no matter what. I mean, yes, there's still good people in some of these countries, but the majority of them are still a bunch of racists over there that are aware of this, and there are groups in Europe that want this to stop as well, but it's never going to stop until everyone is on the same page. Here, we can be grateful, grateful that all of this is coming to an end, or it has come to an end, even though there's still maybe one or two pockets still there, very small and minority, but at least it's being fixed. 
sadly in Europe, it's still wide open and it's still spreading. So I really, to say, I give 75 to 85% of the blame on Von Zier for not being educated enough to, sadly, he used that word and he should never have done that, but also know what is going on in Europe. And always go on YouTube and watch the interview with Thierry Henry, with Brian Gumbel, during his Real Sports show on HBO. Look that up on YouTube. Look that up anywhere. And even with the updated interview with Thierry Henry when he was playing for the New York Rebels at MLS, have a refresher. It needs to be fixed. It has to be stamped out all around the world. No more racism in the in the world period on this planet period. To everyone and anyone, all I am going to say. I want to thank my guests today. I want to thank once again Peter Wilt owner of Chicago House, Jonathan Como of OaklandRootsBlog.com. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me today. And don't forget, once again, Open Cup week tonight and tomorrow. And this Friday, CONCACAF Champions League, core, excuse me, semifinal, first leg review show. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. You take care. So long. Bye-bye for now. And as always, please. Enjoy your football. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.